Ladies and gentlemen, this is the Royal Club Wrestling Podcast. George Truly, I am the franchise. This is the 2020 Money in the Bank recap show. And definitely was a first, a very unique pay-per-view. Um, the first pay-per-view of the new year, as I like to recall, because I feel like WrestleMania is a culmination of a year worth from the WrestleMania before then till the WrestleMania now. So I, I kind of take this as the new year. So it always gives a nice indication of what to expect in a year but this year as we all know with the current state of the world with this pandemic um we're on we're in uncharted territory it's new from this is not this is something that's brand new to everybody i've already talked about it in the past but we now have two money to bank winners um, they are one is a surpriser one for me. I'm kind of shocked in that one. And then the obviously the other one, I'm not really surprised in that one. But this pay-per-view overall, it was decent. It was decent. I'll give my overall rating at the end, but it was decent. It was very entertaining. Okay. There were entertainment out of the wazoo. I don't even believe I could just say wazoo. Um, it was very entertaining. You know, for them to to have what they have, they are getting very used to and they're getting familiar and acclimated with the empty arenas. Um, I feel like what they're starting to do is they're starting to utilize what they're doing. OK, I feel like a lot of as far as the money in the bank match goes itself uh, I'll just say this. That was the most entertaining thing I've seen since the Boneyard and the Firefight Funhouse. Obviously, if you don't know, it was pre-recorded. If you don't realize that by looking at it, you can easily tell because of the different cuts, the different um, camera angles that they were showing. There's no way that they can do that on a live show. This is impossible to do. So let's, let's just, let me just jump right into um, the matches, not in no order. I mean, I do have the match lined up in order. You know, the, I don't really, I'm not really going to talk about the kickoff show. The kickoff match was Jeff Hardy versus Cesaro, which I did not understand why that wasn't even a match. Um, I didn't watch that, so I'm not really going to dive into that. I watched the main card. So in the order, we had the tag team Fatal 4-Way for the SmackDown tag team titles with the Forgotten Sons versus Miz and Morrison versus Lucha House Party versus the SmackDown tag team champions, the New Day. 
We had our truth versus what was supposed to be MVP and up being Bobby Lashley. We had Tamina versus Bailey for the SmackDown Women's title. We had Braun Strowman defending his Universal title against Bray. And I know I say Bray Wyatt and Drew McIntyre defending the WWE title against Seth Rollins. And then obviously the Money in the Bank ladder match was the main event. Now, I will say I failed to remember that they were advertising this as a first ever that is taking place in headquarters. But both men and women's Money in the Bank ladder matches were taking place at the same time time now I, I know a lot of people will probably be like well why are they doing that this way they some people thought that they would have one match like in the beginning or somewhere in the middle and then the the next one will be later on will be the main event if it's pre-recorded they looked at it as this can be something to be entertaining because now you have the dynamics of both men and women being in this mat climbing the corporate ladder you know, to secure this briefcase. I think that they kind of looked at it like, well, why would we waste time? Cause it's already pre-recorded or it was pre-recorded. Why would we waste time doing two? Like, cause you got to remember with it being pre-recorded, so many different elements can be done. There's so many takes you can do takes. It's just like, it's just like filming a movie. You can do takes. Okay. Oh, this didn't work out. All right. Let's replay this back. It's going to take time. So instead of them doing it, you know, with two separate ones, they was like, let's just merge them together. It's different. It's unique. And it was, it was, it to me was a match of the night. Okay. I will say my second match of the night is the WWE heavyweight title, the, the Drew versus Seth Rollins. But as an entertainment, something that, I can watch again just for like laughs and just for a good, a good moment. The money in the bank ladder match will be that match for me. If I wanted to see like the in-ring work, like an in-ring match, Drew McIntyre, Seth Rollins took the match, like took the night as far as in-ring work for me. But let's, okay. So I'm going to start from the Drew match. Cause I want to leave. I want to, the Money in the Bank ladder match, I want to save that for last. So that's what I'm going to do. So Drew McIntyre, Seth Rollins match. Let's talk about something real quick. Okay. Now, Seth Rollins now has a new theme, shall I say? See, I had to go back. I had to think because you got to remember, I haven't, you know, I've watched I've watched wrestling, but when Seth comes out, I haven't, I haven't seen when Seth, I've seen Seth, but I haven't seen him come out. So I didn't know if he got new entrance music before, but no, Seth Rollins has brand new music and it, it, it kind of sounds, it, this, this,
is on a divine mission. So this is the new Seth Rollins theme music. Um, it's very interesting to me because uh, I, I get why they changed his theme music to this because of the mere fact that, <laughs> you know, you, you have a situation with him being the Monday Night Messiah. He needs something different. You know, the burn it down, that theme was a theme of his. It made Seth Rollins the Monday Night Rollins. It made him who he was as a face. I know when he was a, when he first turned, that was his music. But now with his new character, you need something of that stature. So I understand that. But it's very, you know, I could see him at one point coming out kind of similar to how Shawn Michaels came out when he fought The Undertaker at WrestleMania and he had came down from, and I'm using air quotes from the heavens and he had the all white on combating with the dark man, the dark side, the phenom kind of combating with him with that. So it, it was very interesting to see that dynamic take place, but that match overall, great match. These two have great chemistry together. I can't help but to notice just how when them two get in the ring, they do put on a great show. They do tear down the, the house. I feel like if the crowd was there, ugh, the crowd would have soaked this match. They would have enjoyed this match. You know, I love kind of just how Seth was yelling at Drew McIntyre, telling him this is not about you. You know, this is about me. This is about the title. This is about me fulfilling my prophecy, my destiny to be the champion, to lead the new generation, the new universe, the new great heights of what we, what I want to lead the WWE into. Completely under, I, I get that, you know, but I loved the, the ending of the match was there. I loved that way it ended, you know, with the, with, with the hit, the hit, the headbutt leading to a super kick leading to the Claiborne and ending it like that. And Drew McIntyre showing respect to Seth Rollins and Seth extending his hand in gratitude, like it was a sign of respect. And it does leave you kind of think like, where does this leave Seth Rollins? What exactly is going to happen? Uh, I have a, uh, I have a hunch. I know what's going to happen because of a certain individual that is coming back tonight. I'm actually recording this on Monday, May 11th. It will be out hopefully by the end of the night. And I will get into a little bit of what I can see happening with Seth Rollins. Oh, let me get into it now. <laughs> I feel like with Edge and Randy Orton coming back for some reason, I feel like Seth Rollins now will go few start a feud with Edge or start to plant the seeds with Edge. I don't know if it's going to be tonight, but I feel like them two will cross paths. And I think it's going to happen at SummerSlam, but I can see that because they're they're advertising, they're promoting that Edge, Randy Orton are going to be on Raw tonight, but it's like they're still going to be feuding with one another. I thought that it was it. I thought that after Mania, 
that was it. There was no more reason to bring these two back together to have another story, to have another feud. I, I don't get why they're advertising and promoting that. But then again, I don't understand why they're promoting that. Uh, Becky Lynch will be confronting the winner of the Money in the Bank briefcase when we didn't. Why would she be confront? Like if somebody from SmackDown won, and I said it on a preview show, why would she confront the person who won the Smack on SmackDown? It wouldn't make any sense. But as you all know, that didn't happen. SmackDown didn't win the Money in the Brave Bank briefcase for the women. So. Let's go to the Braun Strowman versus, well, before I get there, out of 10, I give the Drew McIntyre, Seth Rollins match, I give that an 8 out of 10. The Braun, Braun Strowman defending his universal title against Bray Wyatt, this one, it was decent. It kind of told somewhat of a story. <laughs> Uh, I love the Bray Wyatt character, though. Okay. This is what I mean by I love the Bray Wyatt character. Not the Fiend. I love the Fiend, but Bray's character is very much a person who is battling, like, the internal demon inside of him. Like, he's kind of like, I don't want to... I don't want to say a schizo, but he kind of has, like, that type of mindset where it's like, during the match... He's yelling to himself like, I know, I know. And it's like you you can sense that he's yelling at the fiend, telling the fiend, I know, like the fiend is telling him what to do. You need to do this. You need to like attack. You need to kill. You need to do whatever. And he's like, I know, I know. I'm just, you know, trying to do whatever. Great cameos from the puppets. The Firefly Funhouse, the puppets came out. Um, we first seen Husky, the pig. And then we actually seen the rabbit and we seen sister Abigail and we seen the, I forgot the, like the lizard raptor, whatever he is, but we seen him, they all popped up and everything. And that's when Braun had pulled a okie doke on Bray in the sense of him grabbing, he coming from the apron he had the mask on and Bray saying, I told him, like talking to Braun saying, I told him, talking to the puppet saying, I told him, like he told the fiend that Braun was going to come around and all this other stuff. So I feel like it's not over between these two. Braun ended up eventually retaining his universal title. But Braun, I feel like Braun is going to eventually drop the title to the fiend. But I feel like it's going to be the fiend is going to come out eventually. If you watch in the at the end of the show, at the end of the match, not the show, but if you watch at the end of the match, you started to see the screen flip in and out, in and out with um, clips of the fiend. You know, it's kind of like that. You could tell that the fiend scene is kind of like how when the fiend when Bray Wyatt took on Daniel Bryan, not Daniel Bryan, when Bray Wyatt took on The Miz, and that's when Daniel Bryan showed back up. But that's when you remember when he was battling The Miz and he looked on the screen, he looked on the Titantron and the, and the Fiend was there and the Fiend didn't say nothing. He just gave, he was just looking at the camera and Bray was like, okay, 
all right, I'll, I'll do it. Like, it's like, he doesn't have, the fiend doesn't say anything, but Bray can hear him in his mind of what he wants him to do. So, I mean, I gave this a six and a half out of 10. Um, like I said, I feel like the story is going to continue. It's going to bring Bray. It's going to bring the fiend out because I feel like the fiend is going to, Bray's going to be like, you know, I didn't want to do this. I didn't want him to come out. Why didn't you just, why didn't you just join back with me? Why didn't you just give me what, you know, like give me what's mine. So whatever the case may be. And that's going to bring out the fiend. And then the fiend may defeat the monster amongst men. Be kind of interesting to see what happens with that. Then we had to me, the second most entertaining match was Bailey versus Tamina. Now I say it's the second most entertaining because the, the antics that Bailey was doing during this match the the yelling I love like I said on the preview show there's a clip of Bailey yelling at Michael Cole and it keeps going back and forth she keeps yelling at Michael Cole and all that stuff and you start to hear more of it today I mean not today but on the pay-per-view and Michael Corey Graves is like Cole why don't you just wait till Bailey is on the other side of the ring to say something to, to talk your mess about her. But I thought that if Tamina was to win, it would have been at the expense of interference from Sasha, a botched interference that didn't happen. Sasha did interfere in a sense, but Bailey ended up capitalizing and winning and um, retaining. Now, speaking of Sasha Banks, she looked fucking amazing tonight. Well, not tonight. <laughs> she looked fucking amazing last night. I mean, she doesn't have, in my opinion, she doesn't have to even wrestle. She could just be the manager of Bailey and I'd be perfectly fine with it because she's, I believe that she's very beautiful, but the backstage segment with, Kayla interviewing or asking Bailey about um, Sasha and the whole thing. Bailey started to, she jumped in and attacked the situation and was like, oh, you know, da 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 da. And why don't we just, you know, this is my best friend. And she kind of talked on behalf of Sasha Banks. And if you've noticed any type of feud, when we see these feuds, this is what happens. The heel starts to speak for the baby, for the potential face. And eventually what will happen is, is the face, Sasha, will eventually say, you're not speaking on behalf of me. I have my own voice. I'm my own person, blah, blah, blah. And you can start to see that this is going to start to happen. You start to see it. They're starting to plant little seeds of it. You're seeing that, you know, after the segment when when Bailey said, we got to go, and she walked away, Sasha was still standing there, and she kind of glanced at Kayla and kind of like glanced, like looked to the side at Bailey and then looked back at Kayla like she wanted to say something, but she was like, no, nah, I'm not going to say anything. So we all know that Bailey and Sasha is a thing. It's going to happen. 
Um, is it happening at SummerSlam? I believe it will. I feel like Sasha is going to be the baby face because Bailey as a heel is incredible. And I think that's what you need. You need her to be that heel. And then when they feud, she'll be delusional and be like, I don't understand why Sasha's doing this. Like I've been there. I've been her friend. She's been my friend. We've been best friends. We tore up the road, all types of stuff. But that's what I can see happening. I definitely can see. And if you pay attention to just the world of professional wrestling and you just look at the storylines, the storylines are some of the storylines are recycled, you know, in a sense. So that match, like I said, I gave that match a seven out of 10. Um, and then we go into our truth versus MVP, but end up being Bobby Lashley. Next to Asuka as being entertaining during these, during this pandemic of wrestling with the COVID and everything. Our truth is fucking hilarious to see truth come down and rap and still act like there's a crowd. It's hilarious. Like he's delusional. Like he really was out here bugging so MVP comes out and him and MVP started changing words and having this thing about balling and this and that third. And then Bobby Lashley comes up. Now, if you follow the Instagram page, I said it when I was watching this pay-per-view and I said, I said to myself and I said it on the, in the story, I said, people forget or if they just strictly watch WWE and nothing else, you don't know that when Bobby Lashley went to Impact, TNA, whatever you want to call it, he was a heel. And at one point, him and MVP were a unit. Like they were a, a, a they formed like a faction, like a small faction. So do we see MVP doing this now with Bobby Lashley where he's teaming up with, well, not teaming up, but he's kind of like the consultant, the manager, the advocate for Bobby Lashley. And then I started to think, I know I said Jinder Mahal for the next person to face Drew McIntyre or then in a potential lineup to face Drew. But what about Bobby Lashley? What about Bobby Lashley being the one to face Drew McIntyre for the WWE title. This is a this this is a little hunch. Just something to, to think about. Um, I didn't grade this match because it it didn't warrant me a grade. It we knew that Bobby was gonna win, and he won in convincing fast fashion. He didn't. It was didn't even look like he broke a sweat. Um, the tag team fatal four way. I gave this a seven out of ten. This is a decent opener. A um, lot of action, a lot of like they there's not a point where it was like dead. It was like dry in this match. Uh, new Day did retain. I really want to know what's about to happen with the New Day now. Who are the New Day going to feud? It can't be the Usos because Usos, one of them is injured, I believe. Miz and Morrison is a going back and forth between them. Lucha House Party. No, the Forgotten Sons, maybe, maybe we may see the Forgotten Sons continue to build this feud and eventually win the tag team titles. But I'm kind of also curious on where this leads Miz and Morrison, 
Because eventually I think that they're going to maybe separate those two. But I, I just, I'm curious to see what they're going to do with Miz and Morrison. And I talked about it on the story on the Instagram page. Whoever doesn't realize that this, the truth is going to come out person is fucking Mustafa Ali. Dude, like if you look, if you pay any attention, WWE shop is selling face mask now. The face mask for Mustafa Ali has these same fucking blue lights. Okay. How do you not put two and two together? How is it that no one is making a case and saying this is Ali? Why is nobody fucking coming out with a pro with a old footage of Mustafa Ali flipping in the ring, holding his hand out like he's sub zero and has the 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 fucking lights on in on his glove and on his mask. Why is nobody acknowledging this? Why? This is acting like this shit. I remember back during the attitude era, they had GTV. Okay. I remember that. Remember it all too well. But they made it a point to bring up it during like right after the segment. They will bring it up. They will be like, uh, what just happened? They'll say something about GTV, this and the third. You're not saying nothing about this. It's like they're like, it's like they put it out and they're just like, yeah, so on to the next match, you know, we have like Braun Strowman versus Bray Wyatt coming up and blah, blah, blah. It's like, why are y'all not talking about this? Why? Y'all only brought it up during the Mandy Rose situation. And then after that, that was it. He, you know, Mustafa Ali's talking about teams breaking up. And then on Mon- on Sunday, he has something where he had all these different Footages of like ride along and interviews and all types of with all these different wrestlers. It's like, what are you? What is the point of this? There's no point unless he keeps he keeps saying that teams are going to break up, a team's going to break up, and the truth is going to come out. What is the end goal for this situation? That is my question. What is the fucking end goal? Because if you don't have an end goal. What the fuck is the point of doing this shit? Period. End of discussion. Money in the Bank briefcase match. <sighs> Overall, gave it eight and a half out of 10. I love the entrances that they did for the Money in the Bank for both men and women. Kind of interesting because they originally said that they start in the lobby. The women started in the lobby. The men started in the fitness area. Few spots that I loved about it. I loved Otis putting the weights on AJ Styles and AJ Styles struggling and asking Ray for his help. And Ray's like, nah, Holmes, you want you on your own on this one. And left him by himself. I love the appearances. I love the um I love Brother Love. I love Stephanie McMahon's appearance. Obviously, Vince McMahon's appearance was fucking golden. Uh Johnny Ace, Paul Heyman. Johnny is John Laurinaitis, the Undertaker, you know, little room that they had in the post, like the little billboard, the sign, not the sign, but the portrait of Undertaker on the wall. And AJ Styles kind of freaked out about it. And then he opens the door and the door is it's like the Undertaker room and has the coffin and the blue light and that that purple smoke and all this. And it, it was it was interesting because you still, they still played into the fact that AJ still is a little terrified over this whole match with Undertaker and he still shook up over it. Uh, 
I love the blonde moment with Dana Brooke when she grabbed the briefcase and the money in the bank. Bank. Um, I think they called it the Stephanie called it the the strategy room or the war room. Um, and the briefcase just had the money. Like it had uh, the briefcase was clear and it had what looked like. I can't say look what looked like, but it was money in there. My question is, why did no one like just try to take that briefcase and just take it, like take that briefcase with them? I mean, it looked like the illusion looked like it was a briefcase full of money, but I love that because it was a blonde moment for Dana Brooke. I have another question though. Why the fuck was Doink the Clown in there? Or not Do- it was a it was a spoof. I don't because obviously the man who played Doink the Clown is no longer here. But the original Doink. But they had like a clown pop up in the background and it was like, what the fuck? That that was the one thing that I kind of was like taken back. I didn't know why they did that. But another spot, another part of the match that I loved was when they were kind of in a ring in the office and Corbin was tied up in the ropes and D Bryce doing his yes kicks. But as he's doing yes kicks, Otis is <laughs> doing yes. Like he's screaming out yes. And then Dan Bryant looked at him and started to kick him. Uh, and hit him with the yes kicks. Otis really made this paper, like this match entertain him and Oscar. The spot where Paul Heyman is at catering and then the food fight starts very Animal House-like with John Belushi and Otis did kind of have that and start that. Uh, The Vince McMahon spot was kind of funny too, you know, for AJ and Daniel Bryant to come there and they were kind of like, oh, wait, um, since they were nervous and... Just to see that, because you knew Vince was going to, you was not about to have a match at corporate headquarters and Vince McMahon not fucking show up. Like the Vince McMahon not be there. And it's just interesting because then I loved how they didn't take a shot because it's not a shot, but they did in a sense show, hey, the WWE is practicing the guidelines as far as making sure your hands are sanitized because what did Vince do after AJ and them left? He sanitized his hands. So uh, it it was, it was interesting. That was a little chuckle right there. Um, I do have a question though. How many women's rights did Lacey Evans land? Cause I feel like she hit every woman with that punch. Like, Period. Okay. I was interesting to see that Shayna Baszler choked out Rey Mysterio Jr. She was the only female to have like a, I won't say the only because Asuka did slap Baron Corbin off the ladder. But as far as like true physicality, I, I mean, Shayna Baszler was the only one. I wonder why she choked out Rey. And that wasn't a good look for Ray. Like, Ray, you got choked out. But Oscar wins the Money in the Bank women's briefcase. And I wish that she would have sprayed Baron Corbin with the green mist. Um, Elias appeared and caused Corbin the briefcase. And then in a stunning turn, 
the briefcase got fumbled from AJ Styles and lands in Otis's hands. And we have Otis from Heavy Machinery as the men's money in a bank winner. Now, I said this on the Instagram page and it had me thinking because I did say the money in the bank briefcase might change. Last year, I said that I felt like money in a bank has become a joke because of the simple um, logistics that everyone for the past, I think, two years, people have cashed in that same night. So the suspension, the what if factor went out the window. Here's my thoughts. Otis is a part of a tag team, Heavy Machinery. And Asuka is one half of the Kabuki Warriors. Could Asuka and Otis cash in on tag team titles? And if so, does this mean there's now going to be a new twist on the Money in the Bank briefcase? Where now you could cash in on any champion of your choosing. That is an interesting thing. Now, for example, you have Asuka. Now we get that Asuka, if Asuka is not cashing in for the tag team titles, but let's say she cashes in on Becky. Are we going to get Asuka and Becky again? Because I, I, uh, but I can understand because I think that because Asuka has been so good and golden for the company and entertaining for the company, it would only be right if Asuka was to win the title because it's a payoff. It's a thank you. Thank you for doing everything that you've been doing. Otis, Otis is a little different. I'm hearing things, you know, somebody had mentioned on, on a podcast that I listened to Don Tony and Kevin Castle show. Um, someone in their little group chat had said, what if Otis gives Mandy the briefcase and she cashes the briefcase in? What happens if Dolph challenges Otis to a match for the briefcase and Dolph wins? What if Tucker becomes jealous that Otis is getting all this claim and success and everything and he turns on Otis? So much can be said for this, these two winning the title, I mean, winning the, the briefcases because they're in a tag team. It does leave that question. If Oscar does go forward and win the title, where does that leave Kyrie saying? Okay. So overall, like I said, decent show. I give it a seven out of 10. Um, moment of the night, Ray getting choked out. That was my moment of the night match of my night. In-ring match, Drew versus Seth. Entertainment, got to go with this money in the bank. I love the fact that they had the music in the background. They, you know, the appearances that they had, the food fights, Asuka, Otis making it entertaining. It was a good, it was a decent match. It was decent. Like I said, seven out of 10. So that's all I have for today for this Money in the Bank special. Um, I do hope that everybody enjoyed the show. Um, 
please, if you can, just subscribe, like, share the podcast. I will be coming back with more of... I'll be coming back with the Undertaker specials. I said said on Sunday, I said on the podcast, the preview show, that I'm going to do an episode every week until... This ends. It's a five-part series. I'm about to jump into the episode now. I'm going to review some of this stuff again. Go from there. Make sure that you guys subscribe to the podcast. Like it. Um, Tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend. If they're wrestling fans, tune into it. And... Follow the podcast on Instagram, RCW underscore podcast. Um, There's no Facebook. There's no Twitter right now. I'm saying there's no Twitter right now because I'm thinking about putting a Twitter out there. But till then, catch on the flip side.